1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I'm Shad, here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you?
2: Doing good, Shad.
1: Doing good. I am so happy to hear that, and I am so happy that everybody out there listening to this episode has decided to tune in or download or however you want to put it to be with us here for this one. We'll get our shout-outs taken care of here at the beginning. The first one's going to go to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand Collar. And ElbowBrand.com, use the promo code for Corners Podcast. That's number four, capital C in Corners, capital P in Podcast. Save 10% off your order. And our other shout-out goes to Matt.
2: That would be to Orlando Cologne. We have done, guys, 200-plus episodes of our podcast. That's 200-plus shout-outs to Orlando Cologne. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the next 200-plus Uh, Shout-outs to Orlando Colon. He's a fine fine worker, great man. Uh, Here's to him. Happy to do it. Mm -hmm. So everybody out there, um, if you listened here recently,
1: you knew that uh, we had just crossed the 200-episode threshold. And what we wanted to do going forward for any uh, new fans or anything like that is we wanted to put out there kind of a um, a reorientation or reintroduction one because – you know we did that way back at the very beginning and those are those are gone now um so we, we wanted to uh we wanted to kind of give you guys a little background on who we were and um you know what we uh what we bring to this and all that kind of good stuff so we've got a few topics we're going to we're going to do this with and if you guys have any questions about this anything at all um please hit us on our social media cuz we'd love to hear from you um, you heard it in the bumper, but I'll say it again, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, to be honest, the Twitter game's probably the strongest, but uh, any of you want to hit us on, hit us on that. So the first one we're going to start with is the starting point of our fandom. Uh, where did where did we start getting into this this wild and wacky world of wrestling? And I'm actually going to go to Matt first because I think Matt has the claim to the furthest back for us.
2: I think well, I, I'm actually I believe the oldest one of us. Um, but I did start watching. I was thinking like this is actually like my thirtieth year being a wrestling fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I started when I watching when I was very young. But I, I probably saw I probably saw wrestling from like an old like in like in like the eighties like an old 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 Saturday Night Made Event. Um, but, but I don't really like. I didn't really like watch it because it was just like a thing that was on TV and I just like, I don't know, turned on or something and I didn't really understand mm-hmm. or, you know, I didn't get into it. But years later um, in 1992, they were airing uh, in my area. They had they had syndicated TV and I don't know why the syndicated channel did this, but I'm not complaining because it's really kind of like got me into wrestling. They did, through the weekdays, I believe at, like, 6 p.m., they had a block, like, an hour-long block of pro wrestling, and it was different companies. Like, they had, like, the AWA. They had, like, USWA. They had, like, the the weekly, like, WCW shows. Because WCW had, what, like, Main Event or something like that. Uh, They did uh, Global. Like, that's how I, like, when we did our global episode, it's like all this stuff was like something, stuff that I remembered because I, they had it. I had actually watched most of it back in the wow. day. Wow. Um, so they had like wrestling like that. And one of the, like, the hour long uh, WCW shows like got me into watching like WCW. And this was like in the summer. Um, and so I started watching WCW Saturday Night, the Mothership. Mm hmm. The um, Mothership, Daddy. Yeah. And that was around the time. I believe it would have been June, July. That's when they started doing, they were, they were wrapping up essentially like the dangerous Alliance, uh, storyline, uh, because they had, you know, the Russell war pay-per-view in which the dangerous Alliance lost. And then they had, you had the faces and heels kind of like going their own way. Um, but I remember like they had the July 1992 beach blast and I was kind of casually watching wrestling during this period. I mean, i watching it all of like just a few weeks Mm-hmm. And then they had the Beach Blast pay per view, and s- for some reason, afterwards they—I don't think that in my mind it's like they showed the whole match. I don't—they think they really showed the whole match, but they—they mm-hmm. they showed clips of Sting versus Cactus Jack, that false count anywhere match from Beach Blast '92, and it blew my mind because it's like I did—I'm I, like brand new to watching wrestling. I'm like weeks into it, and then they have this like what I thought was an absolutely crazy, insane. Brawl. I'd have to go back and watch it. I remember it being a good match, but I don't think it was like near as crazy as some of the other stuff that you see out there. It is um, pretty crazy though. But it's it was not... like, crazy, and that yep, kind of course. that kind of started my fandom of Sting, which is mm-hmm. continuing to this day. It's only gotten stronger. Um, but that kind of got me started on the path of wrestling. And then I at, after that, I literally like I couldn't get enough of it. I would watch it pretty much all the time. Uh, and it was a good time to become a wrestling fan because. Uh, you had well, WWF slash WWE wasn't wasn't that great. It was kind of still decent, but then it would it would it would go into hard time soon enough in the mid nineties. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot of stuff like WCW was kind of like building up steam. And once they were they doing
0: got... those um like two out of three falls like main events every week mm-hmm. on Saturday night, so you're getting some like really good matches.
2: There was a fantastic match. Between Arn Anderson and Big Josh, aka Matt Bourne, who then wow. of course went went on to become Doink. And it was just like thrown out there, and Big Josh was kind of just like a comedy character. Mm-hmm. He's definitely no more than mid card. But it was a great match. And I watched it and I'm like, Holy oh, the he- holy hell, this is like so good. Um well you had two fantastic workers and Matt Bourne and Arn Anderson, but still Matt
0: Bourne is really underappreciated in his day. He is.
2: He is. He was very, very good. Um I don't know. I just got really got into it. Watched wrestling. Uh, There was around around that point in time, there was kind of a working relationship between WCW and new Japan. So they had that new Japan WCW, new Japan, super show three that got, that came on in 93, I believe. And I was able to get my, my parents to order that for me. And I was just like obsessed with it. So that kind of got me started on getting into Japanese wrestling because I would get, like, the after mags, and they would show, like, oh, there's wrestling everywhere. There's wrestling in, in Europe, in Japan, and Mexico. And I'm like, what the hell do you mean? Like, there's different <laughs> wrestling out there, and it's, like, different styles and different different workers and characters. So it's kind of just – it it's gone from there. I, there have been periods in my life when I haven't been as into wrestling because, you know, like going to school, uh, you know, being busy with work, what have hey. you. I mean, 30, 30 years, like, do anything – or be a fan of anything for thirty years and you're kind of probably gonna have like lulls in it. But and, yeah,
0: I've, the odds I were have, a really hard time to be a wrestling fan,
2: honestly. Yeah. But I have consistently at least like followed what's going on in wrestling, even if I haven't watched it week to week. And there were periods where I wasn't really even watching it. Um but except for maybe like a pay per view and I I would try to find a way to to watch like the big ones like WrestleMania, but I I've always kept in uh, focused on it and the last few years it's kind of And obviously i've been really watching it i would say
0: i would say the tens were a really great era to be a fan if you had access to indie stuff because there was yeah. so much good stuff out there
2: yeah i kind of um i i watched the the odds actually is when i probably got a lot of like i watched a lot of indie stuff and then in the beginnings of the of the teens i had like dropped off because i was just busy with work and 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 dating and things like that but so i kind of there was like a little bit of a lull period again i I always like focused on what was happening i read like you know the observer or the dirt sheets (laughs) or something like that Mm -hmm. just to see what's happening and i would you know if i didn't watch raw i would you know read the raw results and things like that um but i kind of i would say the last going on six years is when i've been watching it pretty consistently because Around that time, like, a uh, friend of the show, Christy Petrillo. There it is. He was going to WrestleMania in Dallas, uh, the last time they were in Dallas. And he was able to get me tickets because I was like, you know, I, I kind of want to do it. I've never been to WrestleMania. I kind of want to go. So he was able to get tickets. Um, I went with him and a couple other friends and had a blast. And from there, it's like I've been watching it consistently. Um, and obviously, it's last few years. It's been... Mm-hmm. Generally, it's been pretty good to be a fan because you have AEW and, you know, New Japan and stuff like that. But that's kind of like my journey, generally, <laughs> being a wrestling fan. 30 plus years. Or 30, that is, exactly. That is a very complete recounting, too. Mm-hmm. That's a good job.
1: Uh, Brad, I think you and I kind of started around the same time.
0: I had seen stuff, especially, like, um, I was a couple years ahead of you, so, like... um. Cause I was old enough to remember like the l- late part of the eighties. So like Hulkamania was kind of a schoolyard topic of discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it was a big deal when like Jake had the snake bite savage. <clears throat> I was aware yeah. of that even like is like a non fan at the time. And you know, you'd see some stuff on TV here and there. Um, but I started in February of 1997 And um, that was with WCW and the NWO, which is an interesting time because if you were kind of like me and you had like a working awareness of a lot of the characters from the late 80s, they were all in WCW. And then you had these, you know, luchadors there doing all this like crazy shit like you never thought about for wrestling. Mm -hmm. So I kind of got in heavy duty there and then. I think I'd been watching Nitro for a couple months and I discovered like all the weekend shows. And mm-hmm. at that point, like I would watch any wrestling I could get. And I watched some WWF at the time, but like it's it's honestly like even all the way back to the start of my fandom, like WWF has never spoken to me like like the NWA or WCW does, or even like a number of other promotions like I've gone back and watched, or even mm-hmm. like New Japan. But then um, so then around 2001, I um, I think I saw, no, it might have been 2000. There was a point where I saw Scott Norton was the IWGP champion. And I mean, he showed up on TV with it. But yeah. um, so then I got a couple of tapes. Well, I went on some message boards like, hey, I want to watch some um, some Japanese stuff. What do you get first? So um, I did the very stereotypical um, 90s and aughts get into Japan and I got the 94 and 95 J cups, which the 94 one has like Dean Malenko in it. Benoit's in there. Eddie Guerrero is, um, black tiger. Um, you have, uh, and then in the 95, you have Chris Jericho in there and you have a Ray and psychosis match. So a lot of familiar names. And then you kind of were like, Oh, well that guy's kind of cool. I'll get a, I'll get a, I'll get a tape with him. So that's kind Mm -hmm. of like how I got into Japanese wrestling And then uh, Lucha Libre actually predated that because I had Satellite in the late 90s and we got Galavision. And um, it just... CMLL just happened to be on some Saturday night and a bunch of WCW Luchadors were there. Mm -hmm. I think it was the Villanos. So I started watching that too because they had a bunch of guys I knew. Okay. um, So then I tapped out for... After the Benoit murders, I think I tapped out for about four years, maybe five years. And then I started watching Chikara about the time they were doing the 12 Large Summit tournament for the belt, and that kind of got me back in. And then um, that was about 2012, which was a really great time because um, PWG had exploded. Uh, There was easy access to ROH. NWA Hollywood was like really kicking I think that was like the height of the Adam Pierce Colt Cabana feud for the NWA title which was Mm. excellent and um there are some other stuff like CWF Mid-Atlantic um and then pretty shortly after that like the New Japan world started and that just got me deep back into Japanese wrestling Mm -hmm. and um but like indie wrestling, I started with probably like Matt did, but like way back in the day, like I had my first job. So I had disposable income, but the DVDs are really expensive back then. I think Chikara DVDs were like 20 bucks when I was getting those. Okay. And the ROH ones, like usually with ROH, I'd wait for like those buy three, get one free sale. Mhm. That's usually how I got my ROH stuff. But yeah, back in the day, it was a lot harder because you had to spend money to see stuff. Right. And then NXT actually did a lot to help me too Because that was like an easy like hour watch a week I was going to the live shows for a couple years Um, The only reason I stopped I got annoyed because you had to be right on there Like the second they went on sale here Because those tickets would go for like the first two years And then that kind of died off And then I I used to go to ROH all the time Because you could sit like second or third row for like nothing And then they jacked the prices up which pissed Mm. me off. So I I stopped going to ROH.
2: They didn't, they didn't usually come in my area. They did for like a brief period. They did. They ran shows like out in like Manassas, Virginia. And I went to, I think they had like four of them. And I think I went to like three of the four.
0: I would usually, they would usually go to Dayton, which is only about an hour drive from me. And then um, they started coming to Columbus but they'd also go to Dayton so I could hit them up even more when the tickets were reasonable. And like they were going to like the Dayton fairgrounds, which are right off the freeway. So you didn't even have to really go that deep into the city. It was an easy drive.
2: OK.
1: Um, my my path is a little bit slower. Um, but to start with, I was kind of aware of the stuff in the late 80s. But I had the obstacle of the fact that my mom did not, and to be honest, still really doesn't care for wrestling. Um, uh, she grew up with a, a family and a culture that that had a very pacifistic background, so anything that looks much like combat sport to her is not, you know, that that's kind of a non-starter. Um, so, you know, every now and then I would I would catch something. You know, because I knew who Hogan, I knew who Bossman was, you know, I, I knew who a lot of the names were, but I didn't get to see much. Um, and I got to, I remember there was a, one time at uh, my grandfather's house, I got to see some, uh, uh, some WCW Saturday Night stuff, which uh, it was, I believe we actually sussed out what it was at one point, but it was um, Arn Anderson and Larry Zbysko versus uh firebreaker chip and whoever his partner was and yeah and you know I, I i enjoyed watching that but then mom and dad got there and that was the end of that as it turns out my grandfather loved wrestling back in the day you know he went to my grandfather would go see like uh, you know he would go go see stuff like he saw lutez and um he saw uh Dick the Bruiser versus Yukon uh, Eric, and you know, stuff like that.
0: you know there's a there's a funny side story about that uh, about parents and wrestling, So my grandpa was into it for a while. Yeah, my mom talked about they went a couple times, and she was talking about some wrestlers. I think she called them the Iron Russians. Forever, I could not figure out who these guys were. and suddenly someone put up a bunch of results for like Al Haft. I think it was like the Midwest Wrestling Association in Columbus yeah through the 60s and so i looked it up and like the first show i looked up results for there they were in like the undercard was this tag team called the iron rush was like oh well that's interesting
1: that there they are they're they're real yeah. um so you know i didn't get to watch much early you know i got everything secondhand from classmates and stuff but then it was i'm pretty sure it was 97 and i remember the segment very clearly someone even posted it on reddit not long ago um, DDP is sitting in the ring cause he's making a case about something the NWO did and fake sting. And I don't remember if it was six or Scott Hall or out there, like, you know, they're out there screwing with him, walking around him and fake stings, poking him with the bat. And he's not the, the point of it was that he's not moving, you know, he's standing his ground, but they have to make the first move to actually start something. And, uh, then I was hooked. And the problem was it was so big in the cultural zeitgeist that mom didn't you know I'm in high school now and it's that I, I suppose that was, you know, my major form of rebellion. <laughs> Which given given all the other possibilities, I think mom was like, okay, if this is his major form of rebellion, you know, I'm happy that's what this is. Um so it was I mean it was a big thing. It was the Monday Night Wars, and then you know I started college, and I was able to watch more because uh, you know I I had more control of my schedule and I had uh, access to it and that sort of stuff. And in the early 2000, 2002, two two thousand three, I was e fetting a lot. Um, wow, you know I ain't thought about that one in a long time, but there were some there were some guys I knew through that. What they would do is they would pass me either the files or links to indie matches. And so, you know, I got to see all three of the uh, Samoa Joe CM Punk hour long matches and stuff like that. And it wasn't full shows, but I would get past, you know, a match here, a match there with different people. So I had this really eclectic um, knowledge. Like it was, it was smattered all over the place. And then I ended up getting more when I stumbled across this little uh this little forum that was um uh smarks dot com mm-hmm. and uh and later became the smart marks. Um and you know, got got more exposure through that there, but and
0: well, funny, it, that's where that's where Matt, Shad and I all Yeah met. Yeah. And this is about two thousand and two, just to give you an idea of how long we've Run in circles together.
1: Yeah, and so we, um, you know, here I'm getting all this stuff, and it's, you know, through the aughts, uh, I watched when I could, you know, I was I went to grad school and, and all that sort of stuff, so I was not able to do as much, but on the other hand, I was able to watch Impact, and, you know, I was an AJ Styles fan from very early on, and um, then towards the end of the aughts, you know, we you know I got married and we hit some hard financial times and and you know I didn't have access the same way but what happened for well uh you know I got involved in a different way and we'll get into that later but um and then you know I it kind of started you know I was able to kind of start getting back into it um in the teens a bit more and and digging in back and it's it's uh it was kind of a a gradual ramp up until oh I don't you know what I'm going to say I don't know 20, 2013 2014 when my watching got uh, much more involved
0: but it also, it's kind of stayed there that's about to when um, you could get a lot of access to a lot of wrestling for really cheap
1: yeah yeah, and and that was a big deal because there's there I just didn't have I didn't even either I didn't have the money to throw around for some of the x ac- to get access in the way some of it you would need or I just I just didn't have a way to get my hands on it you know the internet then was not what it is now so and you know not having the channels for it and that sort of stuff so um,
0: yeah because I mean we do give WWE a lot of shit but like WWE Network legitimately changed the whole game.
1: It did. Um that that's I, the, the truth is that I didn't cancel the network the reason that I canceled my network subscription even uh, you know I wasn't mad that they, you know, sold it to Peacock. It's because I couldn't get I couldn't access the old stuff anymore. That's why I kept that subscription I, up.
0: I canceled it when they did that last uh change and you couldn't find anything anymore.
1: I was stubborn. I hung in there so I could keep looking, but it was, you know, it was, it was, uh, cause there was a lot to, you know, a lot you could dig through and, um, I, here I am, you know, and I'm, I'm finally getting to, to dig into some stuff and, and get full older shows that I had wanted to see, but didn't have access to. And that's where, and then, um, they're like, Oh, you know, we, uh, it's like, Hey, you know, we're putting this on, um, Peacock and guess what? Good luck finding anything now. Yeah. Cause it's, uh, it's not just, it's not just that the inner interface is bad. It's that it's not there. Yeah. So,
0: and it's also, um, for people, for people that are younger and maybe are newer fans. So, Back in the 90s and the 2000s, like it was really expensive to get old TV. Like I think mm-hmm. when I got the whole run of SMW, I probably spent 300 something dollars on that back in like um, 2000s money. But around 2008, like is really when the wrestling games started changing because then you started getting like some good storage options online. But it's also mm-hmm. when people started finding all this footage. So it's like 2008 to 2012 was kind of like the footage revolution where all this TV was getting dug up. All these like fan cams were getting found. And like suddenly these guys, like we didn't have a lot of footage of like Nick Bockwinkle. Now there's like tons of footage. Or the Destroyer, mm-hmm. like people didn't know a lot about the Destroyer. Now there's a metric crapload of Destroyer footage out there.
1: Yeah. And or old TV that someone had, you know, squirreled away on a VHS but it became easy, easier to digitize it and then share it.
0: Or or the Chicago Film Archive on YouTube, which is yeah. just a ton of old matches like Vern Ghan- like a an hour long Vern Gagne vs. Luthes match. Like there's just it's crazy the stuff that's that's gotten released in like the last twelve or thirteen years. It, it's it's yeah.
1: it's really been a renaissance for being a professional wrestling fan. And that's like you said, for as much crap as we give WWE and they we it. do. Um they the them making so much footage so publicly available was was fantastic. And I was gonna I would have kept my subscription if I could have kept access to everything.
2: But you're you're kinda right. Like we are in like a renaissance like back in the day, I know Brad is like this, like we we had to do tape trading. he wanted like not basically when it was still in existence WCW and, and ECW and WWF, like that was kind of easier to get. Like you can get that on like on well, really you could just watch it like when it came on, you can order the pay-per-views. It was that hard to get the DVDs or tapes of it, but you couldn't really get other stuff. So you'd have to do tape trading. You couldn't really get Japanese stuff except by tape trading. And as things progressed, you know, when Ring of Honor and some of these indie promotions came out, it's like, well, like the DVDs became like kind of easily available from like Smart Marks, Smart Mark Videos, and other sources.
0: You know, IVP really changed a lot themselves. of that yeah. too.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, but now it's like there is so many streaming services. There's, but there's I, I TV is still in existence fight tv has literally if you have the the fight tv app or an account there literally every weekend every weekend there are numerous shows that you can watch if you wanted to Um, gcw a lot of other promotions small promotions that i've like not even heard of but they may have a they may have like a match that interests you and it's like Maybe, the, maybe that card is only like 10 bucks to order it, and you have some spare cash. It's like, it's, that's super easy. Japanese promotions, obviously like New Japan World, you can get that streaming. Um, I signed up for Wrestle Universe, which is... DDT. Pro yeah. Wrestling no- yeah, Pro Wrestling Noah, DDT, and uh, Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling, which AEW in the last week just announced that they are, they are entering into some sort of business collaboration with them where... You're probably going to see like at least like DDT guys and Tokyo Joshi Pro women are probably going to pop up in AEW. Kenny, and Kenny AEW... just wants
0: another shot at Yoshihiko.
2: Yeah, <laughs> 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 I hope he gets that match. Um, they that's that content is like going to be probably more easily available to. To AEW fans, wrestling fans in America, there's lots of. That's like a. That's a whole other aside. There's lots of rumors that AEW is going to be signing like a streaming service deal. Uh, and if they so, need to. I'm, t-
0: I'm tired of that um, Elite Plus thing only being available in Europe. It pisses me off.
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, there's there's. They've only been around for three years, but there is a good amount of AEW content out there between Dynamite, Rampage, Dark, Elevation, and the pay-per-views. Um, and now, of course, like he, Tony Khan owns Ring of Honor, so all that Ring of Honor content. And people are theorizing like, does this does this conclude like a streaming collaboration with basically the rest of the universe companies? Um, and if so, like that would be absolutely huge. I actually personally think like that would be a smart idea. If these companies did did allow like them, their content to be available through any streaming service, because let's say like because rumor now is like it's supposed to be like HBO Max, say, like yes. HBO Max. Much, let's say that HBO Max signs a deal with with Tony Khan uh, for the content, and let's say he pays they they pay him it's like a Three year deal. I'm just like completely hypothesizing, like a three year three year deal, $600 million, mm-hmm. $200 million a year. Like if if DDT, Pro Wrestling Noah, Tokyo Joshi Pro, if all of that is part of that deal, and Tony Khan has to let's say give them like a fourth of the profit per year, that's top, like that's tens of millions of dollars that these companies would get, and it's like the wrestling universe. I like, I actually really like the service. Um, they're platform is actually pretty good it's easy to find stuff it is it's not buggy as hell or crashes or you can't find anything like peacock Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) um if they're they can't be getting that many people uh in the united states who have signed up for the wrestling universe service so if they get they if they get like a boatload of money in theory from a place like hbo max then it's like why wouldn't you when Why wouldn't I mean, you do that? You're getting you're getting more exposure, and you're probably making way more. And I mean, like, exponentially more money sure. through a service like that.
0: It's funny. When New Japan started New Japan World, they were shocked how many English subscribers they were getting.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, they don't get to watch it the same way. So, of course, they're going to be on board. All right.
2: So, yeah. what we're going to do from here is... Can I... Yeah. Brad, I'm sorry. Chad, can I actually say something? Yeah. I... I actually forgot this had left my brain for no joke, like 20, 25 years. Okay. And it literally came screaming back when you were talking about your family. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know why I never shared this anecdote with you guys because I probably, I had fucking forgot about, sorry for curse. We're trying to, let's (laughs) try to make this like clean. I had forgotten about it for absolutely like 25 plus years. My family is from originally from Georgia, Augusta, uh-huh. Georgia. Uh, we would occasionally like go visit Georgia, uh, usually like once a year, and and frequently I would see like my my mom's side of the family or my dad's side of the family. My mom had like a second or third cousin, uh, I, I, second or third cousin, who no joke was an actual wrestler. Oh yeah, she did it. She was a female worker back in the day. And she did it for a few years, I think, and then she got out of it. And she never really talked that much about it other than she did say that back in the day she worked with Fabulous Moolah. Wow. I don't know if it's like she faced her or like was teaming with her or whatever. Um, but she totally did that. And I thought that was so cool back in the day. Yeah. But then she never really told me. She never really, never really told me anything about it. So I, I can't give more information than that. But your story literally brought that screaming back from my the depths wow. of my memory. That's pretty cool. And I'm like, I wish I knew more. Wish given how, given her age then and now, it's like she's got to be dead.
0: (laughs) Right, right, right. To
2: say that, so I can't exactly like, can't really go her for it. Yeah, and be like, hey, what was was the story there? Yeah, but that was that's pretty cool. It is pretty cool.
1: Yeah. So, um, what we're gonna move over to now, is because you're gonna you're gonna kind of get this feel for. Uh, between the three of us, we we kind of intersect um, on our opinions a bit, but we're going to talk about what s- style uh, of wrestling we prefer, like kind of parsing it out. So when you hear one of our opinions, um, you know, kind of get an idea of where we come from. So uh, I'm we started with Matt last time. I'm going to start with uh, start with Brad this time. Like Brad, what's what kind of style? do you prefer in your wrestling?
0: Well, I'll say first, the only thing I really won't watch much of is death match. Um, mm-hmm. Otherwise I'm pretty open on stuff, but for my preferred style, probably like old school Southern style. So like, if you're thinking like WCW back in the day, stuff like Memphis, um, like those weird deep South promotions, like continental um, mm-hmm. stuff like that, just, I like the wild, like unpredictable stuff, but like you know your blowjob tag team,
2: that every <laughs> Southern Fed
0: had to have, and like um, you know your big giant heels stuff like that, because that's one let's, thing I don't. Let's
1: define blowjob t- blow tag team real quick.
0: <laughs> okay, so um, so th- this this kind of developed in um, so Bill Watts was running mil- mid South. And um, he He wasn't drawing well anymore And so he had Jerry Jarrett and some of the Memphis guys Come down and they sat and watched The show and they're like well where's all the Fucking blowjobs and he's like what are you Talking about he's like where are your young pretty Boy you know guys to Draw in the female fans Because if you're drawing the ladies Then you're going to draw the guys too And um, so that is Like a staple of Of um like the southern promotion. So when you're when you're thinking about a blow job tag team, that's like the Rock and Roll Express. Um the Fantastics, like the Fabulous Ones. Um that is like a blow job tag team. That's actually one of the reasons WWE has never spoken as well to me because Vince does not understand the concept of like booking that kind of face. That's actually why I think Shawn Michaels failed the first time because Shawn Michaels should have been like a blow job and he wasn't. Yeah. They didn't get it.
1: Yeah. So uh, just every now and then we might pull a term that we need to, we need to stop for a second and address, but But, uh, but that
0: is, that is like a staple of Southern wrestling. Then, you know, you have your bloody wild brawls and stuff like that. And typically mm -hmm. Southern wrestling is more, the storylines are deeper. Um, they pay more attention to like the relationships. Um, yeah. Things like that.
1: All right. Um, Matt, what kind of styles do
2: you uh, would you say you preferred? Uh, so, with having getting into wrestling with basically WCW, um, it's not as wild and crazy as some of the stuff we then later got into. Like we just reviewed the Tupelo concession brawls, and that's that's <laughs> a real like Memphis hardcore, yeah, uh, yeah, old school wrestling, Southern wrestling uh, type of. Of work, and I do really love that style. Um, but I do, I would generally say I like more of like a, the quote unquote like southern style, where there it is a little bit like gritty, it there's more focused on, on actual like ring work, uh, uh, not uh, ignoring storylines. There are really good storylines, but the storylines that I always would say like it matters more, it's like a little more personal. Um, Deeper personal prob-
0: issues, things like um, it's it's from early in the podcast, like Brickhouse mm-hmm. Brown turning on the Stud Stable because he got like yeah some racist like gifts.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they kind of blew it off, it's like oh no, no, but it's like they were, it was totally racist, and yeah, he's yeah. on to them. He's on these honkies for for doing yeah. that. Um, <laughs> I love that type of stuff. Uh, and and not that WCW had. Uh, as much of that is obviously like a southern, like Memphis uh, promotion, but it had enough of that uh, that really kind of got me into that. Uh, that's one of the things I actually like about about AEW a lot is that they're. It's also they're not exclusively in any way a southern style promotion, but there is there is enough of that type of stuff in in their work that you know it really piques my interest. A lot of their like tag team stuff can oftentimes be like a southern style like like fdr to me yeah. is very much in that vein um yeah, so that's funny like...
0: is i'm hmm? speaking of the tupelo so justin wanted to watch them today our, our friend who gets his contract. friend of the show Justin. yeah so yes. i sent him the links and he's like he's like well like he like they had to work that belt shot with way oh my god he hit him right in the face Was it <laughs>
2: Oh yeah, he was he was actually messaging me earlier. It's like that belt should uh, that honky tonk man took look just just brutal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) I love I do like the southern style. Um, obviously, like uh, with Japanese wrestling, I appreciate that style too. Both the Enoki like strong style that New Japan favors, and the King's Road like tough All Japan style. Uh, that work. I appreciate both of them. Um, they make everything seem like an actual like fight, like a real fight. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of enjoy that too. And then I also, I would say I appreciate the type of style that companies like um, Dragon Gate or even like Chikara in oh, the United lucha
0: States. lucha resu is lucha,
2: what um, lucha resu, which is like yeah. yeah, it's like a combination of, of, of lucha libre. And uh, Pyororasu, the Japanese style of wrestling, like it's it's like a fusion of the two, where you're doing a lot of like you know high flying moves oftentimes, very agile moves, acrobatics and things like that, um, but with some psychology and, and stuff like that. Like it's, I really like that too.
0: It's pretty much Ultimate Dragon like invented it, honestly. Oh, yeah.
2: Yes, that's, that's fair. Um, Chikara back in the day like did a lot of that, um, and you see that oftentimes in in AEW as well because there are quite a few guys that, that used to work in Chikara that mm-hmm. are now working in AEW guys like Orange Cassidy for example yeah. so those are the those are styles I probably like the most I would favor like the southern style just because I think that the storylines and the work rate is usually pretty pretty high so I, I really appreciate that the most I would say
1: alright um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you the elements of what i like and then i'm going to say where i I usually end up seeing it um one of the things that i really like is i like the strong storytelling elements um it does not have to be an intensely personal thing but i as long as the elements are strong it could just be that you know this guy is new and he's out there trying real hard and this other guy has been around for he's threatened by him so he's cheating a lot because he's just like screw it, I'm not letting this you know young guy get over. It. Or I don't like you, so I'm going to screw with you as much as I can. Feeds into the fact that I also like a good face heel dynamic because um, that's I feel that's a big part of what draws people in um, is that face heel dynamic. Uh, I also like seeing a variety of styles on shows because if everybody works the same style, I don't care how good they are, I'm going to start fading out. Um, so I like a variety of styles, and I like seeing people having fun with stuff too. I know there, there was an old axiom that it used to be that funny don't draw money in the wrestling business, but on the other hand, it's like you know what? Dagon, let me see a little bit of funny now and then, because it first of all it's different, it breaks it up, and it's just nice to be able to laugh. Um, and one other thing I'll throw in there is I don't I like it when announcers will accentuate what's going on in the ring instead of like you know they're not they're not like you know walking you taking you by the hand and walking you through the whole thing they're not like overblowing everything or uh in the case of honestly it feels like Vince McMahon's announcing you know in the in the 90s just being completely irrelevant because Vince didn't call crap he just would be like oh that was so big or what a maneuver or he's going for the you know he wouldn't ever actually like, play-by-play play anything.
0: No, and when we um, watched the Bruno Larry stuff, it re- made me really sad how good he was on that stuff. And he wasn't originally, like Originally, car- yeah. Yeah, he, and he wasn't like a caricature. Like, it really bums me out because it's like, man, like, you were way better when you were more low-key. Yeah.
1: And so all of that together, to be real honest, um, leads into, I hate to be a broken record, but it leads into Southern-style stuff. Because you can have, you get those strong face heel dynamics, those strong storytelling elements. But at the same time, you could have on a card that's very much that way, um, you could have, you know, one guy on the card who's very much a chain wrestling guy and another guy on the card who will brawl with you and another guy on the card who's, who's quick and that, or, or some of them just sell so big, you know, it's. One of the things that's happened is we don't, the business has progressed from what it used to be. So you'll hear some old timers be like, you know, you used to be able to sell for like two minutes in the ring off of one punch. You know, you take the punch and you stumble around and you go, oh God, oh God, he broke my nose. And you make the ref check it and you like stick your fingers up, you know, all that sort of stuff. Like, you could do that every now and then if somebody sucker punches you, but the crowd doesn't work with that anymore.
0: Well, they didn't back then. Those guys say that shit, and then you go watch some guy do that, and, like, nine times out of ten, the crowd's going to start chanting boring at them. But especially, I mean, especially, like, JCP crowds. Like, they would taunt oh. guys on TV <laughs> and just chant boring at them. If but, they I mean,
1: someone who's talented could do that as a one-off, is kind of a goofy thing, right? Like you know, Flair could,
0: could do it, though, but Flair would, like... Flair would like make it funny though.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Flair could sit and read the at that point in time he could sit in the middle of the ring and read the phone book and people would be in for it. But you know, you have those, you see more of it there. And I don't like it, it. Bothers me to see people killing themselves when they don't have to. And they if they get their audience so used to you killing yourself to try and do things then you can't dial it down later. And so I don't need, like, I don't need my wrestling to be big over the top. I do like, give me enough that I can keep my suspension of disbelief and buy into, because it, if it gets too over the top, then I I start treating it like I'm watching a movie and I, I don't have, I'm not hooked the same way.
0: No, the um, big matches, I think you can do that stuff. Like I think, AEW gets a little too excessive at times but they are f- a little more disciplined than they get credit for because they save like the crazy stuff for important matches
1: for, for big shows yeah there's okay I, i'm i'm going to coin this term I don't, I don't it may already be out there but i'm going to i'm going to officially coin it myself is i refer to it as the AEW excess AEW does a lot of things I really like. But one thing that I think is a very fair criticism is you will hit the point in a big match where if you had finished there and that way, everybody would have been thrilled. But they got to take it a little further. And for the most recent example, um, Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker cage match. They, They got to the point where they're doing the thing, and Britt makes her, her chair arrangement or whatever, and then she comes off the top and hits that, and they did that part very well. Like, she didn't kill herself coming off of it. You know, she she teetered and fell and hit the chairs, right? With that, if, thun, if Rosa had hopped down and hit her finish or done that double stomp she used to do in the NWA or something, that would have been great because not only did Britt, like, get cut down by her own hubris but then rosa's just like screw you i'm gonna plant you for this right but then we go into the you know we turn around and suddenly there's thumbtacks and it's just like do we need thumbtacks for do we really need this like
0: i did like how she got out of her her like mandible claw thing by smack well by first biting one hand and then smashing her hand into the 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 other hand into the thumbtacks to get out
1: yeah, that was a that was a very good touch. That was a good use of it, but the tax come out and it's like, okay, if you're gonna use thumbtacks, then I am of the opinion, because I don't want to see thumbtacks normalized to the point that you do this a bunch, that you you the rest of the match, you're playing around them. And it's not about like how many people take how many things on it. it's like you're you're the crowd's waiting for somebody to go into it. And so Rosa power bombs Baker on the tax. Like that should be the finish. That's like it. That's the big thing. And then she picks her up and gives her the thunder fire driver on tax again. And I'm just like, you didn't need like, there is so much in that stretch. You didn't have to do.
0: I, I agree with you, but I will defend you on that. She, I don't think they kicked the tax around a lot. Like I actually think her finisher wasn't meant to be into the tax because she takes her away from like the big massive tax, like intentionally takes her to the side, which I think it wasn't supposed to necessarily be in the tax. Um, but the announcers kind of screwed that up because they said into the tax. But like she really took her to a point where there weren't a lot because then mm. Audrey, Aubrey Edwards had to then jump into the pile of tax to make the count.
2: Yeah, she yeah. was uh she took one from the team there.
0: Oh yeah, she took that like and she had to she had to do the count in the tax too.
2: Yep. Yeah. Cuz someone was like she didn't on, have to um, do that
0: and I'm like there were chairs in the only open spot that she could have gone to like literally to make the proper count. She had to go into the tax and she went where she had to to make a proper like yeah referee count.
1: She put a picture on Twitter that had the holes in her arms from where she was she was yeah. counting the pin on the tax. Mm-hmm. But that's that's my that's my example of the AEW excess. Mostly, I like AEW. I really do. Um, but they don't have to do all of that, and they they do that pretty regularly.
2: Yeah, they they do have some excesses. I think I think Tony Khan should rein some of that stuff in. the The thing that I feel like I'm noticing, and, and this is probably because like I. Went through a period where, I, well, most of most of his career, I haven't really cared for him. Um, but Adam Cole, mm-hmm. um, when the, he it got to the point where he was so clearly getting dicked around by the WWE that I, I kind of began to like him. Like he had a lot of sympathy with me, and I was excited for him to be to sign with AEW. And not that he's not a star, people are not going to agree with this position, but yeah. I do feel since he's come in we're starting to edge a little bit into the WWE NXT uh, type of (laughs) main events or matches with him where it's like, I don't need 30 minutes of Adam Cole Uh, and a really a a ton of fucking matches, a a ton of like spots and everything like that. And then like we we should be the finisher, should be the finisher like 10 times, but then there's kick out because we need to have we need to have 10 more 10 more minutes of match it's like maybe no
0: i actually thought him and Paige were fairly disciplined like i had an issue with some of the other stuff on that show but i actually Mm -hmm. thought their main event was by like the cole nxt standards was really they kept it in their pants
1: yeah Mm -hmm. my biggest complaint with adam cole is the fact that the panama sunrise should be a finish that should not be a setup that drives me bonkers but you know. Also, asked.
0: um, what I liked about the page Cole one is is um, Page gave him the final fuck you after destroying him and finished him off with his own move.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's true. It was a. Uh the the ending sequence on that match I thought was really good it was it was well structured
0: yeah because he get he hits like you know his stuff and he's like you know what and then he just does like the the knee to the head thing and pins yeah. him which was I thought a really good like especially for like the feud they had where like because there was one thing Cole did in the build up to that where Adam Page like sits down in a chair after chasing him always like well it's story time with Adam Page you just hear Cole yell like no it's Adam Cole. That's my thing. Yeah, yeah, it was really good.
1: It was it was a good feud. Um, and that match, the, the ending sequence on it was really good. It played into the history a lot. There's like I said, there's some really good storytelling in it. But and they didn't excess as much on that one. And as it was some other stuff.
0: That was also the the way they played that up as Cole got his like comeuppance properly, which wrestling really screws up.
1: Yeah, you, th- yeah, yeah. Um. So now they I'm need gonna... to cut
0: down on their pay-per-views though. They're too long. with The pre-show <laughs> that well,
1: God, but so much of it was so good. It didn't well, feel long.
0: The problem is though, is like it was a Sunday night. I have to get up for work at 6 a.m. Yeah. And, like I am just like dragging ass through like the last hour and a half. <laughs> the only thing that saved me was like sting, like murdering himself. <laughs>
1: <laughs> 63 years old and just, must be part machine. Um, what I'm going to pivot to now uh, is I'm going to I'm uh, I'm going to be a little self-deprecating, but i was going to pivot to what we think our our unique contributions are, and because uh, you know the we started this just kind of doing it without exactly getting a grip on like, hey, what's the you know, we just kind of started doing it, but over time, it seems like we've kind of um, found a way that we uh, have our own our mark on it. And mine, more than anything else, is um, I spent 10 years on the indie scene. Now, I wasn't far-ranging, and I'm not going to say that I was, you know, a huge deal, but I will say that, you know, I very regularly got people up up out of their seats, so... I'm going to say I believe I did a good job and there's a certain, you know, aspect of that that kind of, you know, that's that, that you know, I, I like to think can shed some insight. But, you know, when it comes to fandom and stuff like that, it's like I don't feel like I have the, the breadth and depth that you guys have. So that's my big thing is is having done it. That's my unique contribution here. <laughs> and then I don't know whoever wants to go next. Go for it.
0: Um. I my goal is always to find like weird awesome shit to watch like um the Andre the Giant versus Stan Hansen match um Hessian oh, Liger versus so Great good. Muda which is still one of my favorite things we did because that match is just crazy like even the Tupelo concession stands like I just like finding that weird stuff that's amazing that people might not have seen or appreciate mm-hmm. properly.
2: Matt. Uh, well, this is a uh, this is unique contribution. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh wow. I, I feel bad, 'cause it's like I, I think you have a you do have like a unique perspective, Shad. And Brad does <laughs> find a lot of content that I just was not even been aware of. Like you're the one who 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 knows like the what's the one YouTube channel that has like old Chicago oh, stuff? Oh,
0: Chicago Film Archive.
2: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like Brad finds a bunch of stuff. I don't feel like I have like a ton of specific unique contribution other than like I've been watching for 30 years, so I have, like a lot of I guess experience or uh, perspective in that sense and knowledge mm-hmm. of it. Um, I will say one the one thing I think I have done in the the shows we've done in the past that it's it's slightly unique. In perspective is that uh, I, as I said before I'm not a medical professional but I know quite a bit about uh, medicine and, and like physical ailments and impairments and things like that nature so whenever you have like instances where people get hurt like injuries things like that um, I have been kind of able to offer like a little bit of perspective um, more than just like a regular layperson which is nowhere near as specialized or as in depth as a medical professional, but I feel like I add a little bit to yeah. that. So um, it's not much, it's but it's the perspective of like 30 years as a like a hardcore fan, and maybe from my professional uh, life a little bit of like that uh, other knowledge. Um, it's different than you guys, but I think that's that's what kind of makes like our podcast work a lot is that we have we kind of each come from different backgrounds, we each have like our own take on things, and so we can all add something. Mm-hmm. um and we're we've been friends for like you said like, we're friends for, like 20 years so we're not, <laughs> we're not we're not even like disagreeable <laughs> at this yeah point. we might have different takes on things but we're you are just like oh, i have a different take on it it's like oh okay sure yeah. and it's like we're not it's not contentious in the least yeah yeah
1: so let's let's go into that then contentious stuff what's some stuff in wrestling the uh, pet peeves what's stuff you could absolutely absolutely do without Right, like what's or what is something there's just entirely too much of. Um.
2: There's like a lot of stuff you could say. Mm-hmm. I will say right off the bat, because I, I was thinking about the the Thunder Rosa Britt Baker match, and I think that that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, you can say arguably they're they've done a little. That, that's like a very a big criticism now of E.W. It's like there's too much violence with regards to the women and i don't think so but because i can only think of like really really three matches that have used like a lot of uh like hardcore type type of matches and two of them have been with baker and rosa i don't (laughs) i don't
0: like that argument though because i feel like that turns into that like weird um there's like super feminist people get into like then where it really just turns into like sexism against women. Because to me, it's like if, if the women are having a blood feud and they want to bleed, like let them fucking bleed. Like, yeah, they, they have their own agency as people. So I, I find that a lot of those arguments to be super sexist because if you, if you don't have a problem with the guys doing it, then the, the women should be able to do it. The only one, the only thing I get critical of is table spots because those seem to go really wrong with uh, the ladies and I think that's just because that's purely a they don't have the body mass to reliably break a table
1: the tables are set up to be used in general on the show and then a lot of the women that are you know in the business being very fit (laughs) they just don't have uh, you know as much they don't just have as much force going into them, so. Well,
0: if you're 120, brag, so. 120 to 140 pounds is not as reliable as like 190 to 220 pounds, like hitting.
1: Yeah, the the other women's match that AEW did that was the the hardcore violence thing was the it was Ty Conti Anna Jay versus the Bunny and Penelope Ford. That match, as far as I'm concerned, that was a hardcore brawl and it was awesome. They worked. They worked their ass off, you know, they pulled the weapons, they did cool stuff. I think, I think the finish was Anna Jay wrapping barbed wire around her arm to put a sleeper on the bunny. It's like, that's, that's badass.
0: They, they, but they built that feud to be that. See, that's the problem yeah. I have, yeah, though, yeah. is like, if you, if you, because those same people will bitch and bitch and bitch about, um, and that's, the, I'll, I'll get into that pet peeve. We'll, we'll go into my pet peeve after this, but they'll bitch and bitch and bitch about women's wrestling and how they want more and more and more of it. But then it's like, but you don't like, you have to let it be the same. Like if, if you want it to be, if you want it to get over and stuff and they have a blood feud, like they have to take the kitty gloves off Yeah. for that, because that's what I hate in WWF now is they have blood feuds with no blood. Like the, the Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa thing. Like the fact that they couldn't bleed, like, really hampered that feud other yeah. than like the terrible booking of it. But like a blood feud with no blood is kind of dumb. It's
1: it, it. You would just think that over the course of these two guys hating each other, someone's going to start bleeding somewhere. Yeah.
0: But so, um, I'll get into my pet peeve then. Cause it, it, it feeds into that decently. But those, those fans that do not shut up about women's wrestling all the time. And like the weird, like overrating of like anything, Um, like, especially in WWE, like, the women's rumbles that have all kind of sucked. And, like, they always, like, overrate that stuff. And it's like, no, it's really not that good. But, like, my pet peeve with that is, like, they overrate a lot of that stuff in North America. And it's like, you know, you should watch Joshi if you really want to see, like, competent, like, really great women's wrestling. Like, where you don't have to grade it on a curve and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I have a few and some of these are very much influenced by my time in the ring. Um, one of them is the what chance can go to hell and die. Um, I, I think even Steve Austin regrets getting those started. Um, the uh, I really also dislike um, overly choreographed uh, sequences. Uh, I, I can't remember who it is, but the – I think it was Jack Evans and somebody else did this like five minute sequence through the whole thing. They just they basically just kept running the whole time and nobody took a bump. It was just we run here now. I'm going to flip this. Now you're going to flip that. And I'm going to do this and you're going to do that. And. It, and It's I, I, I really hated it because it was. I, I don't like using the word fake with wrestling because. Fake is going to insinuate that no one's hurt, and trust me, the reason I'm not wrestling anymore is because I got too hurt. Um, the, uh, but to see a sequence like that does not look. It it, it takes me out of it entirely. It looks completely unrealistic. It looks
0: like ballet.
1: It, it's not even as interesting in, as ballet. Yeah, yeah. I, I it's it's hard it's it's like I'm watching cooperative parkour.
0: No, you know what you know what it's like? It's like it's like you went to a wrestling match and instead of like wrestling they both pulled their dicks out and started jerking off in front of you.
1: <laughs> it it does kind of seem like that. I well in um the uh, I know some people love this sequence, but there was a I think it was a Ring of Honor show that was amazing red and low key having their little sequence. It it looked fake to me.
0: But see, that looked, was a novelty looked, at the time, though.
2: So, y- yes, but it, I agree with you. Like, it looked very contrived. It looked like they were they choreographed this before, and they're just running through the the choreograph. Yeah,
0: and it was only like thirty seconds too. It
1: it was, but it, it's a good example. Yeah. And the other side to that is also a pet peeve of mine is just Loki in general, because screw that <laughs> sawed-off little bitch. Um
0: I'm more forgiving of earlier stuff like that, though, because that was experimental, like weird stuff like even like when um the Rob band, Dam to Jerry won on Raw, like in 2001 or 2002. Well, um, like RVD
1: and, and Jerry Lynn had those three matches that kind of fell into that, too. And yeah. it was experimental and it was different. And I hadn't seen stuff like so. That's like interesting. But I don't I didn't want to see three matches of it, you know. Um, we
0: should do that. I should put that on the schedule. Uh,
1: another thing, I wish there were not so many cool heels. Because if you're a heel, you should not try to be cool. Because if you're trying to be cool, you're trying to get cheered, and that's the face's job. Don't.
0: I, I really appreciate that with um, Lance Archer in AEW right now. Because he's not... Like, he intentionally will do stuff like if the crowd pops or something, he'll just stop doing it.
1: Yeah and he'll 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 tease it and then quit it
2: um so yeah i appreciate that too i feel aew in general is better about that like they they may have they may have heels that are you know cool because they're they're interesting or compelling uh-huh. but they don't really play they don't really play it out to the point where they you're basically turning them face kind of yeah or they're like tweeners, in a sense people who there are people who you could, you could kind of say are tweener's but they're really it's not really that ambiguous in my opinion right
0: um, i think the bucks don't get enough credit because like even like nick has grown his facial hair in a way that just makes you like fucking hate him <laughs> and um like they haven't been afraid to get booed
1: they hmm. find good ways to weave just being little dicks into it so it's not about being cool it's you know they're they're still they might do cool stuff but they're dicks about it and so that's a yeah you know that that's a good example but um, the last thing that I'll say is I don't like deathmatch match cards um, for for the I don't like see because if you do it over and over again then there's nowhere to go but up and if you don't go up then every the, the fans that you have for it are going to be mad. That you didn't, and you know, it, you, people are just going to get worse and worse and worse. It's just going to get worse. And there have been some just, just like really bad stuff has happened. And I, I don't like what that does. And I don't like. There are some people that can do it well, but That's the correct. problem is, there are there's e- even with some people being able to do it well, there are people out there who are going to imitate it and don't know what the hell they're doing. And yeah, do not do this cool thing. Like I understand that, you know, that's the sort. Of, but the problem is with deathmatch wrestling is it's like, hey, you know, I've got a bundle of light tubes taped together. It's just like, good god, one wasn't bad enough. We don't need this because the last thing I needed on a show was some dumbass nineteen-year-old being like, oh no, we're gonna have a street fight. Well, I got some light tubes. It's like you bring out light tubes, we're not having a match anymore. I'm just throwing down and beating your ass. Like I- I'm not doing that.
0: No, I don't, a I'm street not getting fight, paid enough for that. A street fight should be garbage anyway.
1: Yeah, uh, like a good brawl with as as our 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 podcast favorite term with plunder. That's different. Mm. Yeah, a death match is not a, a street fight kind of thing. Yeah, plunder you, is not maiming material.
0: If you want to get like a stop sign or like you know tra- some trash cans and stuff, um, kendo sticks like that's all fine. I'd even be fine with like the fake barbed wire. Um,
1: hell, I used a toilet seat in one. Yeah. So, but that was funny, right? Er, that was the idea anyway.
2: But um, go ahead, Matt. I, I was just gonna say like I I kind of had like a larger pet peeve just with I premise like the AEW like women because AEW really doesn't they they do hardcore stuff and people bitch at them because it's they feel like they do it too much and I understand like the. Aew people have perceptions of Aew that Aew is supposed to be, you know, just like almost like not not in the sense of ring of water pure wrestling, but more like a, a pure wrestling, less sports entertainment, mm-hmm. as uh, as the Chris Jericho <laughs> stable is trying to <laughs> present. Um, but I generally I'm okay with like the level of garbage wrestling that Aew has. It's very minimal, but I have kind of grown to really dislike hardcore wrestling in general because you still see it on the indies and it was more prevalent in like the aughts and obviously with ecw but now when i see that stuff most of the time i just like cringe and i don't really like it and there was a story just not that long ago some an indie worker who got like seriously hurt yeah like badly he needed to be like hospitalized injured uh did like a hardcore match it's like well how much of that idiot get paid for that like 100 bucks maybe oh he didn't get hundred bucks. he got like 20
0: bucks and a hot dog
1: see yeah that that's what i'm talking there are there are are some just very subpar workers who will try and cover up the fact they don't know what the hell they're doing by willing to do garbage brawls and it's like you know what um no just if if you don't know what you're doing being able to just brawl and get beat up is not going to uh You know, that's that's not going to be enough of a salve for it. It's like you're not
0: Nick Gage. You don't you you know, who knows how to work and do all that crap safely.
1: Yeah. And even then, I don't like seeing him do it.
0: No, but at least Uh, at least at least when you see him do a death match, like people typically do not get hurt. And he's taking care of like David Arquette and other guys in those situations. Yeah.
1: it 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 hurts but they're not maimed yeah if that makes sense so all right um what are we enjoying right now what's out there that uh, we've kind of already hit on this but uh you know what's going on that we like
0: uh stardom and AEW and tokyo joshi pro are my big ones right now that i'm enjoying
2: yeah i'm actually with with Brad on that, like AEW is the promotion, American promotion that I'm enjoying the most. Um, I think there's a lot of interesting stuff that is coming out there on like the, in the, in the indie scene, uh, like game, with Game Change Wrestling. Like there's some really interesting stuff that they're doing. Um, and I'm New Japan Pro Wrestling has gone through like a, a, kind of like a lull. Like they got really, they've been damaged by the pandemic. Yeah. Um, although I I have heard that the New Japan Cup that they recently did. Was, was pretty good. The so Shingo maybe that's like the
0: Ishii match is supposed to be amazing.
2: Yeah, and I actually have heard g- good things about Shima in the in the yeah. New Japan Cup. So uh, they maybe the pendulum is swinging back where they're they're starting to heat up again. Um, I hope so. But otherwise, like I'm with Brad in that I'm trying to get more into the Joshi feds. and I have argued on uh, on our show that that Stardom. Is possibly by the at the end of the year it possibly may win basically basically promotion of the year and that they are they've already put forth like really really good like incredible matches I I want to watch the um the recent start uh, Starlight Kid uh, A Z M match for the high speed title which has been getting rave reviews and people like even like Will Osprey. Who people like fans were trying to argue. Well, yeah, it was good, but it's not as good as an Osprey match, and like Osprey had to step in. And I usually think that he's kind of like a, a, an idiot, but <laughs> he stepped in and is like, "No, I watched the match. It's a fantastic match." And he was giving them <laughs> a plug, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. Um, and I actually read something like just in general about A Z M and Starlight Kid is that they they're they're twenty and nineteen respectively, mm. and they have because. And Joshi, oftentimes, like they start so damn young. AZM like, was had wrestling fought each other. at
0: like 13, I think, and I think Starlight was in there like at 13 or 14.
2: Yeah, they basically started around the same time as Joshi, or maybe in the same class. Um, but they have fought each other before, and I read this whole perspective about how like they the basically their matchups before, and how they it's like a, essentially a feud that has been spanning a few years, and how ACM finally. You know, finally got one. She finally won the title and got one over in Starlight Kid. And it's really fascinating. It's like you're dealing with a 20 year old and a 19 year old. It's like how much history could they have? But they have a lot.
0: Well, AZM, Mm -hmm. Um, back when she was a student, had like a whole stable built around here. But I don't remember what her name was before she was AZM. Um, Starlight Kids. Yeah.
2: Um, Because that's, I think that's probably like her real name.
0: Azumi's Army was like what what it was. So it was like, it's what they do um, if you watch Stardom. So like, the students mm. do like undercard stuff and they're usually doing like trios matches with their trainer out there directing traffic on one of the teams. So you'll get some younger ones there and then like they kind of move up the card. So you'll see like a lot of them job, maybe get a gimmick later and then like start wrestling mm. like higher end women on the card. And that's kind of how you move up in a Joshi fed, but you know, they've both been in that promotion for like six or seven years at this point mm. And, um, You know, they've just slowly been moving up the card.
2: Yeah, to the point where it would not surprise me if a few more years, like Starlight's, gonna probably be one of your like main eventers.
0: She's really a compelling. Um, She's one of the most compelling characters in wrestling right now, I think.
2: She's very compelling. Um, I don't speak Japanese remotely, but she cuts promos, and it's it's fast. It's captivating. It's fascinating. She has like.
0: if you drop the cash on the Stardom streaming, it's all subtitled.
2: Mhm. Mm, that's nice. Her Yeah, her promos are really compelling. Um as 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 a character, she's fascinating. She has a lot of charisma. She's obviously a good worker. Um I don't I don't think that she's technically supposed to be, but she's basically the head of her stable, Godotai. Yeah. Um and she is she might be the most interesting heel in pro wrestling right now um and see someone who is like even with the mask he's like she's obviously like very attractive and she's working with with azumi who is a fantastic worker herself starlight is actually this this weekend this upcoming weekend is going to be a big weekend because it's one of stardom's big shows it's like a double night um, and the first the first match in of that night includes the return of Kyrie sane in a tag match and then it's going to the second night is Kyrie sane versus starlight kid in a singles match um so that should be like fantastic
0: yeah i'm looking forward to that
2: yeah it's they they have a lot of heat um it's that's a really compelling promotion it's a lot of like really really good work a lot of it really fantastic characters um it's yeah, but that's like they've
0: they've they've benefited hugely from bushi road buying them and like just dumping money into them because they've been signing better workers like they they i think the first year bushi road had them they they doubled their streaming subscribers like Mm -hmm. they've just they are on fire because they they were a really good promotion that got this huge cash infusion and like this big media company behind them and it's done nothing but made them bigger
2: yeah uh and like you i'm also getting into um Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling, which is kind of like, arguably, it's like the number two Joshi promotion beside, uh, behind Stardom. Ice um, Ribbon's and I was, there, too. Yeah. But I'd well, say
0: TJPW is...
2: Ice, Ice Ribbon's really, from what I understand, um, it's really, they've kind of been like, through ma- mismanagement or whatever, they're falling on hard times where a lot of their, like, really good workers are... Are leaving or have defected to other promotions yeah so they're like they're kind of like i don't see dying but they're not doing as well they're not they were the work rate
0: they were a work rate promotion until recently and they've
2: yeah they've they've fallen off because
0: pjpw is more of a character promotion
2: yes They seem more character driven, but that's not to say that the work rate isn't good there, because they have a few like really good workers. And I was watching, I've been trying to watch that more. And this is some of some of kind of a criticism of American women's wrestling. Uh, even some of the workers that aren't even that like that considered top tier in TJ Pro Wrestling. Um they're basically those matches have been better in my opinion than a lot of the american companies that we've seen
0: no there's some mid-tier there's some mid-tier joshi workers that people would like freak out if they they came over here and worked regularly
2: yeah and generally like their um their big shows the presentation is like phenomenal like as good as just about as good as any american um pay-per-view company. Yeah. Minus like the WWE cuz the WWE literally has like a billion dollars to throw on production values, but their their production is really good. Like it, it's every every one of the the Tokyo Joshi Pro like big pay-per-views or big shows that they have, which I guarantee, I I mean I have not seen that many so I'm not I can't speak from like perfect experience here, but every one that they've done, it seems like a big deal and the production makes it seem like really important from just like entrances and things like that.
0: And the backstory to some of the characters is like really complicated, um, mm -hmm. too. So,
2: Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. They put a lot of effort into it. Yeah. So
1: I like AEW. (laughs) That's what I got. Um, it's, here's the thing. It's, with with some of the stuff I have going on, I don't have as you know uh, an opportunity to dig quite as deep. And it's not that I'm not up for it. I just haven't. You know, we get into summer. I, I think I'm going to have more opportunity for it. But um, you know, I'm going to say what do what do I see right now? For the most part, I enjoy AEW stuff. And it's maybe it's a basic answer, but it's the most. It's one of the easily available American things to get.
0: And AEW is. <clears throat> has a diverse enough roster and match styles they present that you can get a lot of different itches scratched by yeah. AEW.
1: They are they they have a grip on the three-ring circus very well. Because if you don't like the Elite, guess what? That's one or two segments a week. And they're going to have other stuff happening. Do you want something that's kind of silly? Best friends are probably going to appeal to you. If you want, like... You know, uh, serious, hard bitten ass kicker stuff. You know, Lance Archer's kicking around. Like they have the variety of styles very nicely. If you,
0: if you want, if you want a couple of just unrepentant douchebags, you have the Ascension.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, if you want an old school style, Southern style tag team, you know, you got FTR, and and if you want. If you just want a complete nutter prick, AJ, MJF's one of the best in the business. But we mentioned earlier about kind of dumping on WWE stuff, and frankly, for me, it's after 20 years of monopoly, effective monopoly they've had in this country. I'm just tired of, tired of their the way they do things. So, um, they they have people there I really like, people on their roster I really like, but I'm just I'm tired of the way that their shows work, and I'm tired of the camera cuts and all that sort of stuff. So
0: They've even diminished how many people on their roster I like with the last like two years of just getting rid of
1: everyone. Cut, 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 cut. Yeah. Cut. yeah. And then the, the last thing that we had for discussion before we move forward is um, have we had any opinions change over the time of doing this? Um, and I'll go ahead and, and do mine real quick. If you don't mind, it's the first thing I've got, I've got a, I've got a broad scale and I've got a specific, the broad scale is that my horizons are broader than they were whenever I came in. And in that it was like, I looked at it, I'm like, I don't want to see that, you know, that doesn't interest me to now. It's like, okay, that, that may not be what I would initially reach for, but I'm, I'm down for it now. Um, if it may not be my first choice, but I look at it and I appreciate it and I can enjoy it now. Whereas without doing this, I would not have been exposed to it that way. And then my specific is uh, from the sequence we had about learning how Andre the Giant's mystique did not just come from his size, but the fact that <laughs> the fact that dude could freaking work. Because um, if you weren't, if you just saw Andre and WWF at the time. You know, you like there's the mystique that he's the giant and all that. But you didn't grasp the full uh, capability that Andre really had in the business. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I appreciate the hell out of that. All right, that's mine. <laughs> <laughs> Who
2: wants to go next? I'll go next. Um, I didn't you know what? I didn't think about that. But that's actually, a good point. Like my I guess I'm in. Reviewing some of the stuff that we've reviewed over the the course of the show, I guess my perspective has, because I've have actually been I I, used, I mean 30 years I've seen a lot of stuff, but there's stuff that we have seen on our show that I can't honestly say I've ever seen before, mm-hmm. um, and maybe that's just because like I, I it's limited number of stuff that one was like available to me back in the day, mm-hmm. um, and just stuff that I wasn't exposed to, even. 30 years of experience like I just didn't see a lot of that stuff from like let's say like the 70s or the 80s mm-hmm. until like more recently when it's become more available so yeah like that is like a perspective like the the Stan Hansen Andre the Giant match it's like oh, that oh was God. that is so eye-opening And it's like we we don't really like to give snowflakes but I I would put that as a five star sure. match because that's it's just like it's compelling, it's good, and Andre is working his ass off both you know, selling and doing moves, chained wrestling, it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that, it's like I didn't really expose it. I have and another example, we did a recent show about the Bruno San Martino Larry's Abisco feud. And I had always heard about that, even read about that, like in the After Mags. Mm-hmm. Never saw any of it. And we kinda just did a whole perspective on it. And that was really fascinating to me. So I like that we've um We've been exposed to more to, – I would say older stuff. It's kind of like not – it's not fair even to call it older stuff. It's just more like classic stuff. Um, but that's kind of like added a perspective because it's a different look at wrestling mm-hmm. than just like the modern era or even stuff that we grew up with. Because obviously in the – from what we grew up to with to now, that's been a shift. But you yeah. going back even yeah. further and seeing how, <laughs> how things have like kind of progressed and changed – and sometimes you can walk away with it. It's like, well, I wish not to sound like undertaker (laughs) current undertaker. It's like, (laughs) it should be like back in the day. It's like, no, but sometimes what they did back in the day, like the the storylines or the selling or what have you, like there are lessons to be learned. I mean, that's why, that's why workers look back at like the tape. I mean, like FTR, I think is notorious for watching like old matches. CM Punk, uh, since being an AEW apparently likes to watch matches with some of the younger talent to kind of catch things. It's like, yeah, you need to get that perspective and see like what can you do to improve your own work as a, as a worker, mm-hmm. how to do things better, um, what works, what doesn't work, things like that. Um, that's kind of like a, a different perspective for things uh, since we started this podcast. I feel like when we started this podcast, we weren't as down on companies like WWE <laughs> NXT's,
0: uh, NXT would be mine because just speaking on that, like, I think the mm-hmm. big story of our podcast was like Matt and I totally falling out of love with NXT. Mm-hmm.
1: That that was a long running, long running story arc. For
0: like the first three years of this podcast. Yeah, but I yeah. think... um. WWE like really we weren't enjoying it but I think we were trying to be objective to it and I think we made it about a year into the podcast and we were just like no we're not doing this anymore like we just get no enjoyment out of it
1: yeah the you in watching a lot of their stuff there was so much it was like panning for gold and we're gonna have to have to go through so much sand and grit to find the stuff that that appealed that it's like you know what i i don't i don't want to have to do that you know i i don't want to i don't want to sit and read a book and and like out of a three hundred page book there's two pages that really get me yeah you know like I, I didn't want to do that and part of it is i was tired of it part of it is i was frustrated with you know tired of it frustrated with it or just downright bad and that just seemed to keep happening. Or they're so, intentionally
0: burying guys that got over.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That was that was really, really, um, really frustrating. Or or not acting on when they were at their hottest, and then you come back to them later to do the thing. You're like, oh, I guess they're not over. You know, crowd's not reacting. I was like, well, no, you you killed them that that's so
0: i think the last thing we did was that fiend seth rollins hell in a cell and that was just when we were all kind of like fuck (sighs) this oh wow (laughs) yeah
1: you know thinking back on that i don't think like i don't i from what i remember like bray didn't like it seth didn't like it the crowd very much didn't like it because it was the first time in 20 years I can remember WWE fans throwing trash.
0: Well, and they are chanting AEW because AEW was about to start on TV like right after that.
1: Yeah, and like the I only see. person that thought that was good I guess was Vince, and Vince pushed him to
2: it, and it just, we were just like, you know what? Never mind. I think timeline-wise, uh, AEW started in like October, and that, that pay-per-view I believe was in like December – um, but I do remember that because they were, like, chanting AEW after that, um, yeah. after that pay-per-view we went off the air. People were, like, hot after that match, like, to the point where they were, like, throwing stuff.
1: Which you don't, you never see out of WWE crowds. Just. Not at all. No. So. All right. Well, everybody. um I think that about do it for our reintroduction episode. It's look if you've been with us for a long time, we really do appreciate it. We want to say thank you for being here. If you're just getting into our stuff, we want to really appreciate it. We want to say thank you for being here too. It's we're just happy that that people listen to this. It's uh, <laughs> yeah, and so you know through all of this, it we do um, we do work with requests. So if there's something that you really want to hear, what we we think about check make sure we haven't done done it in some fashion before but then you know hit us up and if it's a if you know we'll we'll try and work it into the schedule cuz you know i got no problem with requests i mean heck we've done a few the the um oh now i'm i'm going to the the bash wwf the beach maybe was one. yeah there was one of the bash at the beach was one of them and there was um was it the Revolution, the one that was the, the British pay-per-view, the yeah. WWF Great Britain pay-per-view? Yeah. Um, You know, all that sort of stuff. You know, we're happy to, I mean, don't ask us to do, like, the the GWF light heavyweight tournament, but... Hmm. No, we uh, might
0: kill ourselves after the TV <laughs> I, tournament. It, it
1: might, we might just say no also, but, um, you know, hit us up. We'd love to hear from you. And so, guys, any any parting words?
0: Nope, I'm good.
1: Yeah, kind of tapped out. All righty, <laughs> everybody, one more time. Thank you for joining us. We're we're so happy that you listen. And so, with all of that, this is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three quarters. You're in the fourth, and we will catch you next time.